Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Ways of Working podcast. I am your host, Adam Thackeray, and today I'm welcomed by Rosalind Morrison. So Rosalind is passionate about the beautiful South, Southern Georgian Bay region. Uh, her family has had deep roots in Simcoe, Muskoka district for generations, and she and her husband now live in Craigleith. She is also passionate about the power of community. Formerly, as the senior advisor to the CEO at the Toronto Foundation, she was involved in connecting philanthropy to community needs and opportunities. She was responsible for the foundation's research, community convening, and partnerships relating to 100 Resilient Cities, an initiative pioneered by the Rockefeller Foundation, which focuses on urbanization, globalization, and climate change. She also led the foundation team on the groundbreaking project to benchmark social capital, trust, social networks, civic connections, and neighborhood support. Rosalind has also held leadership roles in the arts and culture sector, in particular contemporary craft and design, where she focused on strategy development. She is a recipient of Craft Ontario's John and Barbara Mather Award for Lifetime Achievement. Currently, she serves as the chair of the board of directors for the Institute of South Georgian Bay and as a board member with the Blue Mountain Village Foundation. Uh, In today's podcast, we really get into things around the next economy, around social innovation, and and what we need to be doing to to create really that that next and sustainable economy. And so, very excited to get started. Uh, Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rosalind Morrison. So uh, welcome everyone to another edition of the Ways of Working podcast. I am very happy to be joined by Roz Morrison today. So Roz, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Adam. Um, So uh, I want to start things off because uh, you have uh, deep roots in the region. So it's noted on a number of profiles and, you know, through our discussions, you've You've been up here for a long time. You have dating back generations, you know, roots in the region. You know, what makes this place, you know, that being the the Georgian Bay region here in Ontario, Canada, what makes it so special that you continue to live in this region because you're now residing here as well as as support it? Well, um, I think it's in my bones. Um, I've uh, had ancestors here for many years and uh, all up the uh, eastern side of Georgian Bay, LaFontaine, uh, through to Midland and Penetang and Victoria Harbor, uh, from Manitoulin Island. So um, I feel very uh, natural here. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, area from an environmental perspective with Georgian Bay, with the beautiful Niagara Escarpment biosphere. Um, it has um, a fabulous arts uh, and culture uh, sector. Uh, it's got uh, great innovations in, in craft production. Um, it's got um, all of the things that we would like in a well-balanced life. That's, that's amazing. I, I like how you put in a well-balanced life because it's so important uh, these days. And I think that'll come up in a, a few of our other topics and questions today. Is that what led you, led you to, to become involved with the Institute of South Georgian Bay? 
Well, um, actually, my husband and some of our children were visiting the Charlevoix area in Quebec. And if you haven't had the pleasure of being there, it's where the uh, Saguenay meets the St. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. So from a visual and environmental perspective, it's quite similar to here. It has the uh, St. Lawrence River, uh, the Laurentians uh, in the background. Uh, it's got wonderful agricultural areas. It's where the group of seven uh, studied and, and painted. Um, it's got a marine national park where there are beluga whales and humpbacks. And it's, it's a very magical place. So on the way home, I said to my husband, you know, we should do something like that in Southern Georgian Bay. <laughs> and then I got home and uh, opened up the On the Bay magazine, and there was this one little paragraph about the Institute of Southern Georgian Bay. So that's when I thought my people might be here, and I reached out, and uh, we started having conversations in 2017, and, uh, and I thought that I could bring some of my experiences uh, in uh, other sectors to help bring the concept of weaving uh, the assets of the region together and leveraging them up and at the same time using all the talent and uh, and the knowledge that was here to uh, tackle some pressing issues of the 21st century and and that's really you know how it began uh, that's very cool and so for those who are not aware of, of what the institute is obviously i'm a part of it and, and i'm helping out as well uh, full disclosure, but can you just walk people through very quickly, you know, 50,000 foot view, what is it about and why is it important um, to the region and then for as a, you know, as a staple, if you will, to the rest of the world? Well, it's a concept, uh, first and foremost, and it's a concept that if we can uh, connect people and talent and knowledge um, and then use um, uh data and uh, success stories from around the world um, to foster collaborative innovations here, then the the assets that we have, take the arts community as an example, um, through those connections, through that data, through uh, fostering collaboration and investment, those assets can be leveraged up and that can enhance quality of life. Um, so in a nutshell, uh, that sector would um, uh, prosper further, um, as would innovative uh, uh, innovations uh, from other sectors that are developing around the world as we speak and could be very well suited to this region. Now, now one of those other you know key pillars, if you will, in addition to arts and culture is around sustainability and sustainability in simple terms, because, you know, I, I actually read uh, on Facebook the other day and not that Facebook's a, a source of information, but it was in a feedback that sustainability is used a bit of a, a fad word. But in real simple terms, it is literally sacrifice, not sacrificing the needs of tomorrow to meet the needs of today. Um, as a leader in the, the nonprofit space and a leader for quite some time, and, and you know, you've done a lot of great work uh, across communities and across the space. Um, do you believe that, you know, now we're going to start to see more positive change um, coming out of COVID and just like this is a, a point at which people are recognizing the need to, to shift? Well, I think people are experiencing the shift. And so that's the difference. Um, you can have people with foresight who are seeing things happening, mm -hmm. um, but now we're all experiencing that shift and those many shifts. Um, and so I think the pandemic has sort of uh, opened up people's uh, senses to what's happening around them in a much different way. 
um, so that I think we're all um, interested in learning how to get through this effectively and what are the new ideas and so perhaps we're much more open to new ideas um, through the pandemic than we have been before and so that is when you know that it's a good time to be shining a light on where some of these innovations have been happening around the world in other jurisdictions and uh, bringing them here so that we can all learn together sustainability is a topic that's been on people's minds for decades because you know you can see the 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 impacts on the practices that we've had in the past that will not protect um our resources for future generations and so it's it's kind of a mind shift a culture shift Mm -hmm. to look at things differently and understand that anything's possible because we do have the uh, ingenuity to uh, to do things differently and to build back differently, not only through the pandemic, but beyond it. And how important do you think, you know, education is in that? Because, you know, you mentioned education at the start and new ways of working. It requires obviously an understanding, but we are see, seeing people that, that have this, you know, change in the way they want to operate. Um, how important do you see knowledge and being able to break through all the other information that's out there, right? There's there's so much out there, um, so you can have information overload, which can result in a lot of, um, you know, lack of understanding and, and people going down the, the wrong rabbit hole, if you will, with regards to sustainability and just what needs to be done or, or learned. Well, you know, education's a funny term for those of us who mightn't have liked school, no matter <laughs> what level. Maybe um, learning then. Yeah, I look at it differently. Um, I think right now is going to be a really interesting journey for anyone who's curious, Mm -hmm. um, anyone who wants to learn about things that can help um, enhance quality of life, uh, that wants to learn about things that can give their own work more meaning. Um, This this roller coaster will continue in different ways. And we do have... um, the ability to learn how to ride it in a way that we do feel more balanced. And, and do you have some tactical ways that, that you're seeing that either you yourself or your colleagues are applying now that, that brings about that new way? Yes. Um, I think one of the things that um, uh, a mentor uh, shared with me a long time ago was uh, as you progress through your career, um, please make sure Roz, that you uh, surround yourself uh, with the next generation mm. every decade you go through your life so that you know you're engaging in new ideas and new ways of thinking all the time and that advice has never left me and I think that that's something that we should all think about so how how can we open ourselves to listening to ideas from 20 uh, year olds mm-hmm. um, because they're operating in this world in a very different way um, or how can we start accessing uh, and streamlining our access to information so that we are gaining it from different sources? If we love this particular news source, and that's the only news source we're listening to, we probably won't get the full picture, and we most certainly won't get the breadth and spectrum of new ideas that are available. So it's it's really taking this opportunity to open up 
and to um, to be open to new ideas and to be able to find out where where are those happening mm-hmm. and how do we connect to them. And I think that's something that the Institute can help with. Oh, that's amazing. I, I like that about surrounding yourself with uh, the you know generations around you that are, are not from your own in the next gen. I think that's significant. So so is this part of and you can correct me, you know, I, I read an article that said, you know, the magic doesn't happen until you bring it all together. Um, is that part of it? or And if it is, great. If not, then can you, you know, go into that a little bit more? Because I thought it was a, a really cool, inspirational statement. Um, right. So bringing it all together. Uh, I worked uh, in business uh, in the early part of my career. I shifted to arts and culture, uh, both for-profit and non-profit. Um, and then I um, ended up in philanthropy. So those are very different um sectors, the uh, very different thinking, very different experiences and philosophies and bottom lines. And so I think the best learning and the most innovative ideas come together when you're bringing that diversity all Mm. together to discuss and learn at the same time. And so that's the magic I'm talking about um, because it can be thrilling and terrifying to um, really attempt to tackle with some of the pressing issues that we're we're facing. Um, And at the same time, uh, both thrilling and terrifying to put ourselves in a place of risk uh, where we don't know anything. And so we're all learning together. Uh, So it's the moment in time where we can do that. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and so is that part of the the growth and the continuous growth and evolution of, of an ecosystem then to support it? Because obviously, you know, there, there's a desire to grow, you know, a greater community up here uh, through the Institute, um, as well as, you know, start to potentially generate this ecosystem of participation of different generations of different perspectives. Um, do you think it ties in there and we're going to start to see, uh, you know, some of that magic take place in there if things take hold? Yeah, I think we're already experiencing it. Um, I think the pivot to um, online discussions, um, you know, when we when we try to, or I try to embrace some of the good things that have happened through this pandemic, mm-hmm. um, you know, those online discussions have opened up the capacity and the ability to be um, conversation, having conversations with people around the world um, about um about various topics and anyone can participate. So anyone of any age, um, anyone of any background, you do need access to technology um, and, 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 and that could be a divide. However, um, I think that we have more uh, capacity and capabilities now to have this new learning together and making these breakthrough uh, innovations than ever before. And, and part of the, you know, some of the themes that are starting to come out is, is one around, you know, the next economy and there's different frameworks. You hear things about circle economies, donut economies. Um, you know, what does the next economy mean to, mean to you and, and why is it so important? Well, economy is, uh, has a different meaning in, in different people's minds. And so I think when you're talking about these new descriptors, uh, circular or donut or whatever, um, we're beginning to realize that 
uh, business does not equal economy. Economy does not equal exclusively business. Mm -hmm. We have to look at our societies um, in a much more integrated way. So example, through the pandemic, our economy was dependent on our not-for-profit sector. So let's think about that just for a minute. Our economy was dependent on our nonprofit sector, on our hospitals, on our uh, caregivers, on our mental health specialists. Um, we, we need to understand that everything's connected that way. So we need to look at our economy in a much more holistic and integrated way. Um, again, um, it's not easy to do that. Um, people might feel some anxiety doing that because we have our traditional businesses. Um, we have our traditional ways of working. And what I love about your podcast is the title because there are going to be so many new ways mm -hmm. of working. Um, and, um, and to be able to embrace at least exploring them and seeing if we can do many, many pilot projects in our region would be advantageous in my view. So the next economy is looking at at how we live in a different and integrated way and how we can do things differently. Let me give you an example. Municipal governments across Canada um, have, have budgets, you know, I, I'm told when you add it all together, about $50 billion. So we can choose to continue to try to uh, uh, procure goods and services from a municipal perspective simply by going to the lowest bid. Mm -hmm. But when we start to take into what is the social value, what is the environmental value, what is the long-term value of investing any of those dollars, it gives us a different perspective. And so there are now uh, enterprises, social enterprises, or B corporations mm -hmm. that are beginning to not only provide those same goods and services, but they have a matrix for themselves where it's not just a bottom line of profit, but it is a bottom line that includes profit. Right. But it also has a series of social values, and it also has a series of environmental values. Um, and so that is the new kind of thinking um, that um, I think we have the opportunity to embrace and to move on. And, and that's what the next economy discussions are all about. Yep. Um, last, uh, I guess it was November uh, 2019, we had a wonderful speaker, Tanya Sermon, come to uh, share with all of us in this region what social innovation meant what that framework consisted of and how that could lead to different aspects of the next and new economies. Uh, it was thrilling. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to the Institute's website on our YouTube channel. Uh, go to the website at www.tisgb.com and listen to uh, Tanya's uh, presentation about social innovation. And the, um, the sustainability series that you mentioned earlier um, is going to open up some of those ideas and ways that we can all learn together. We can all try to align some of our priorities and we can all collectively invest in ways of doing things differently. And, and you, you, that, that last part of, you know, doing things differently, um, you know, large, large transformations and change all start with leadership and getting leadership to acknowledge or understand the, the value that comes from making such, you know, significant shifts. Um, what do you think? And it's not like 
specific leadership, but it's just in general, what can leaders look for or, or how can people that are looking to make this type of change uh, approach leadership so that it is understand that they, they can come to understand the value in, you know, becoming a B Corp or taking in the values or the matrices of a B Corp so that they can shift to this new way of working and, and this next economy. Well, I, I think it's um, any leader, and, and this is an era of collective leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so any leader can begin to embrace and probably always has uh, embraced a risk in a way that um, they're sharing a platform for all the st- all their stakeholders to um, embrace that risk together, learn together, uh, pilot new ideas uh, in ways that they haven't before, accelerate those pilots, encourage and enable those environments where those new innovations are going to be percolating, mm-hmm. and to be okay if not all of them work out because the ones that do work out are going to give lasting impact in ways that I'm sure the next generation would agree uh, we're all looking for a better future. That sounds great. And and how do you think those who are, you know, the, that next gen or, or the communities themselves, um, you know, you've mentioned that they can be very powerful in, in driving, you know, that next economy. How do you think that they can really start to, to scale that or, or, you know, make it really come up, come about after they have that leadership engagement? Well, I think that the first thing I would recommend all of us do is tune in to this series of, uh, of engagement, engaging uh, sessions that we're having in our sustainable future, um, because um, we all have to find a ways to align um, shared priorities. And so for any leader uh, in any uh, sector, um, that's step one, right? Um, It is to find, uh, is to listen deeply and to learn together and then to be able to facilitate the alignment of some of those priorities. And once we do that, we can pool resources and start to test new things in ways that um, perhaps um, mitigate some of the risks and uh, certainly share the success stories um, like we've never done before so that there's broader knowledge out there about how to do things differently. Very good. Yeah, I think the involvement will be significant. And, and obviously we have seen traction already with the, the first event and the, the fast follower of the series of them happening month over month, you know, all the way into the fall of 2021. Um, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times, but like, and we can put this in the show notes, but, but how can people get involved with the Institute? Obviously there's, there's a lot of great work happening there. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to have more people involved. Um, so how, what's the best way for people to, you know, to sign up or to, to become engaged with the Institute? Well, right on our homepage of, of the website I mentioned earlier, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. Um, and that way we're all in the loop because things are happening rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the shifts in the world are happening rapidly. And the more we're connected uh, in that way, the better. 
Um, if people uh, participate in those sessions, if they're interested in these areas that we're talking about, we currently have working groups, design teams, study groups uh, that are looking at regional arts and culture strategies, that are looking at social finance tools and new ways we can invest together. Uh, they're looking at sustainability and how, how can we pilot projects together. I think one of the most exciting things that happened in our uh, region recently was the United Nations Habitat and Towns Collingwood World Summit. Mm -hmm. And this is where uh, the framework of uh, what 193 countries, including Canada, signed on to in 2015, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, can be that holistic framework so that we begin to understand and work collectively on some of those ideas. And so um, Collingwood's ambitions is to have an annual summit. There are going to be pilot projects coming out of those uh, gatherings, um, and maybe those are the pilot projects that can lead the way towards sustainability for our region. That's awesome. Thank you. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. Uh, so, so you mentioned, you know, pilot projects and obviously that's going to bring about work for the region. There are people obviously, you know, as mentioned in other podcasts, I, I am a recent, you know, uh, individual who, you know, we shifted to, to coming up here to work. Um, there is concern around, you know, talent and availability of talent, knowing who to go to or, or what is available or just attracting talent to the region. Um, do you, do you think there's, a, um, there's mechanics that are in place or that we need to put in place that, that can support, uh, you know, the sustainable growth of the region so that, you know, we, we can have the right people, you know, um, here across a, a multitude of, you know, spectrums for, um, the different industries, the different, you know, their services, there's obviously white collar work that's coming up here. There is, you know, those who are in arts and culture, there, there's a lot of different you know, areas that can be focused on. Um, but there's also the need to have people here to, to do that from multiple generations. And we're not necessarily seeing that uh, with individuals staying here. Can you, can you provide some insights as to, you know, what we may need to do in order to support that moving forward? Well, we can choose to have, uh, different industries and different next economies here. Mm -hmm. We can actually choose to do that. Um, we can choose to be strategic. Uh, we can choose to create uh, municipal data consortiums so that we can have the data uh, not only readily there, but also be able to have the time and the energy and the talent and the skill set to analyze it mm -hmm. so that we can start to make uh, strategic investments for the next few years that create that runway for the future we want. Right. So it, it's up to us. Um, so anything is possible, but I will say that when we want to think about um, the basics in life, like housing mm -hmm. um, and the basics of offering housing uh, uh uh, inventory to support the kinds of uh, industry we have here currently. And don't forget, that's a large, in large part, it's a services industry. There's a lot of people who are making minimum wage here that are providing services across the ridge. Yeah. Um, and yet, because we haven't really taken the time to understand the interconnections of these things, we don't have the housing stock for that population for our 
very active service industries. So, you know, we need that. That's what we're talking about in terms of understanding um, what we need um, based on what we want and how do we get there. And, and so it does take time. It does take strategic thinking. It does take foresight. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but if we, if we establish collectively, what kind of future we want, we need to carve out that time to do that kind of work um, so that we can lay the groundwork for that future, which includes housing, which includes addressing environmental challenges, transportation, integrated planning, protecting our natural heritage, those kinds of things. Thank you for that. Um, one of the things that uh, I always ask everybody on the podcast are, you know, three books. I, I'm a curious person, always reading, always trying to learn um, you know, kind of never satisfied, if you will, because I always think there's more that I can learn and there's always people much smarter than myself. Um, but what three books would you recommend um, to the audience uh, if you were to do so? Well, right now I'm reading the biography of Leonardo da Vinci. And um, uh, Leo um, left Florence to find work in Milan during the time of the bubonic plague. And so <laughs> there's lots of parallels with what's <laughs> quite, going on quite, here quite now <laughs> that um, that we can learn from um i'm you know so i'm a big proponent and you know having some history mm-hmm. uh on on the bookshelf um uh, there's also things like um you know books about getting to maybe which was probably one of the first books really written about social innovation a uh, really great book. It talks about uh, business people who um, followed the Roger Martin school of thinking about, you know, being able to hold two opposing views in your mind at the same time and using that intention and that um, that that tension within those ideas to have a breakthrough on, with new ideas um, and innovations. Um, getting to maybe that would be a good book or or Mart, uh, Roger Martin's Opposable Minds mm-hmm. um, or things like Connecting to Change the World. Like, what does that mean? Um, connecting to Change the World is about uh, networks and how we have informal networks. We could create formal networks. But that, if you remember, is one of the three things I said the Institute is all about. It's making those connections between people, between projects, um, and and sort of linking those together in ways that can leverage up good ideas. Very good. I'm going to have to add those to my list. They sound very interesting. And uh, I think I could definitely learn a lot from those, that's for sure. I love networks as a people person. I'm always loving networks. And and I agree, history is a a big piece. So I'm glad that you mentioned some more history books. I don't think... I don't think people pay att- pay enough attention to history um, in this day and age. Um, all right, um, Roz, where can people find you? What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Email, social media, phone number. The very best way is to send a note to the Institute of Southern Georgian Bay on our homepage mm-hmm. at www.tisgb.com. Um, there's a section to subscribe to the newsletter. There's a sub- section to send us a note. And, um, and I would be happy to uh, get back in touch with you. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Roz. This was an amazing podcast episode. Really appreciate your time today. I look forward to having you back again. Um, So thanks again for joining us today. Adam, love what you're doing. And it was my great pleasure. Thank you. 
Okay, everyone, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate our listeners tuning in and listening to the Ways of Working podcast. If you would like to learn more about Ways of Working, including all previous podcast episodes, please go to www.thac.ca. So that's T-H-A-C-K.ca, where you can find all of our podcast episodes as well as there's blogging and other articles. And we would love to hear your feedback. So please uh, provide that whenever possible. We always greatly appreciate it. So thanks so much, everyone.